This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. <laughs> Yes, it is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets, live on Twitter spaces from the Subway to Shea studios in my office, episode 83, all over again. Yes, we're doing it again. Last Friday, I recorded episode 83 and my memory card was corrupted, so I could not post it, but I'm glad to be doing it here again with you. Excited as always, ready for some great interactions with Met fans. So to join in on the conversation, you know what to do. Hit the request button and I will get you on as soon as possible. I'll be putting the best of this space up wherever you subscribe to the Subway to Shape podcast. The show isn't just about me anymore. It's about us as Met fans, so let's enjoy it. And before we get started, just want to thank Carlos for hopping on here. I want to thank Patrick for hopping on here. Let's get started and let's set the stage and talk about what happened this past weekend and also last week. Uh, I'm going to reiterate some of the things that happened last week since I didn't get that recorded up there for you. So last episode, I said if the Mets win that they were in and the Mets did that, they are in the postseason. In the first game of their series with the Milwaukee Brewers, they beat them 7-2. to And some just takeaways and observations, obviously the Mets took two out of three from the Milwaukee Brewers and then they took two out of three from Oakland. Some observations throughout this whole entire week. We know Max Scherzer, just an unreal pitcher. He does doesn't miss a beat. There are no lights too bright for Max Scherzer in his return from the injured list with a postseason spot on the line. He came back, he pitched six perfect innings, nine strikeouts. On top of that, he won his 200th game. Then he comes into Oakland on Sunday, six innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, one walk, seven Ks. You look at his career stats, he's got 201 victories to 101 losses, a 310 ERA, 3,100 and 89 strikeouts and this season he's been more than you could have asked for right 11 and 4 2.13 ERA in 22 starts, and he has just been what the Mets have needed. The Mets obviously celebrating their trip to the postseason. A little subdued, nothing too big. They didn't overdo it. They still have to win the division, which we'll get into today. And then I think after that would be the proper time to celebrate. Winning the division makes more sense than just celebrating a playoff spot. They did, you know, they brought a little bit of champagne. They also celebrated Max's 200th win, a first postseason appearance since 2016. It's nice to see the young kids like Pete Alonzo and Jeff McNeil. It's feel like they've been here forever, but they haven't gotten a shot yet in the postseason, and this will be their first shot. We talked about Pete Alonzo. How about the Mets offense, right? The Mets offense goes as Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor go. Alonzo, this past week, four home runs, 14 RBIs. 
He is the new Mets RBI single season record holder, previously held by Mike Piazza and David Wright, who both had 124. This season for Pete Alonso, 270 batting average, 39 home runs, and 128 RBIs, and there's still more to come with a little over a week left in the season. Lindor, how about Francisco Lindor? He had a signature moment in Milwaukee, that grand slam in game two to help the Mets win. His last 15 games... 433 batting average, one home run, nine RBIs to improve this season, 275. That's almost, uh, was it 35 points above uh, what he had in 2021 when he had 230 batting average, 25 home runs, 103 RBIs compared to what he had last season, 20 home runs, 63 RBIs. You throw in Jeff McNeil's consistency, and those three can carry the team if all is right. And with a healthy Starling Marte too, he's another key contributor to this Mets offense. So if they can get him healthy, that will be very, very important. One question that I want to throw out to you guys, and you can ask me anything. Just hit the request button and I'll definitely get to you and I'll make sure I'll get to you within this next hour that we are on here. Uh, One of the questions I want to know from you guys, should we be worrying about Jacob deGrom at all? You know, in Oakland, four innings pitch, six hits, five earned runs, four walks, five Ks. I mean, the Mets finally gave him a lead. They gave him three runs in the first inning and he gave that all right back. It snapped a 40-game streak dating back to September 3rd of 2019 of three or fewer runs given up. And that was a stat that Sonia Chen from MLB.com posted on her article. Uh, Has given up three or more earned runs in his last three starts. So should we be worrying about Jacob deGrom? Do you think it's just, you know a one-and-done situation where maybe maybe it's a dead-arm period, maybe it's just one of these starts that we're just going to have to just throw away, and we'll see what happens when he pitches in Atlanta this weekend, which will probably be his final start of the season. So do we need to worry about Jacob deGrom? Is that something that you're worrying about right now, or you just think that maybe it's just one of those fluky games that he you know blew up? And I, I saw a stat where his ERA against the uh, West Coast teams was not really good. So I just want to know what your thoughts are on that. And the NL East, it's coming down to the wire. That's the title, right? It's time for the Mets to win the NL East. They're a game and a half up on the Braves, thanks to a loss when the Mets were off to the Nationals. And then the Phillies took two out of four. They weren't helpful on Sunday, which which really sucked that they couldn't pull that game out. But if you go on to Twitter, I know I retweeted it, but check out Carson of Mets Weekly. He has a, a YouTube show called Mets Weekly, but he's on Twitter at MetsFan ESM2. So that's at MetsFan ESM2. He created a chart with all the variables, all the possibilities to how the Mets or the Braves can win the division. I retweeted it out, so check that out, or you could go to his page and check that out as well. Um, I want to hear from you. So hit me up with a request. I want to know what your guys are thinking, because this is about all of us here. So if you hit a request, I'll definitely put you through, but I want to know what your thoughts are on the Mets this past week and up coming this week. We got the Marlins coming up for two games. The Braves are going to be playing in Washington for a three-game set starting tonight. So the Mets will either be one game up or they will be two games up. So hopefully we get a nice little Nationals helping. I know it sounds quite impossible, but they did help us out on Thursday. 
Hopefully they could do it again tonight and win that game. The Braves are dealing with a lot of injuries. Albie Alves is done for the season. We know that um, Ronald Acuna has been dealing with injuries. The offense has been slumping. Uh, Spencer Strider is uh, most likely out with an oblique injury. And as we've seen, the Mets fans aren't the only ones that get on their players. If you saw what happened this past week with the Braves struggling, they were getting on Matt Olson big time. And, you know, probably deservedly so because Freddie Freeman, I don't know why they let him go, but that helps us out because we don't have to deal with him in our division. But Matt Olson has not been the consistent guy that Freddie Freeman was. So they are also... Uh, struggling even though they won the last two games. We'll see where they go. And then this weekend, the big series. The big series that could possibly determine who wins the division. So hopefully the Mets can come through. Hopefully they get it done. And I thought I just got a little breaking news on Pete Alonzo and Albert Pujols are the National League co-players of the week. So if you want to discuss that as well, uh, be my guest. But we are going to get to any requests right now. I want to hear from you. So I believe in Lindor is going to be coming on. And then all you have to do is turn on your speaker. Hey, man, thank you for having me. So I definitely think and believe um, the Nationals are going to give us a very, very hard time. I definitely see us struggling on either one or two games to win. And it might come down to those three games at Atlanta, and I feel like we might end up just winning one game. Our well, pitching is doing really great, but I just feel like we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna rock the boat a little too hard, and I feel like it's just gonna come down really hard on that three game series, and it'll really determine. And we, there's, I don't know, I had great confidence that we were gonna, like eighty percent we were gonna win, but now it'll be like fifty fifty that we'll we'll end up with the division. So let me ask you this: You said you think that the Mets will only take one in Atlanta. What do you? think is going to happen this upcoming series against the Marlins and then how many games you think they're going to take out of that series and out of the series against the Nationals so I think I think we're going to get the Marlins series easily honestly I definitely think that's going to go pretty well for us I just feel like that National series is going to come down to like the last two or three innings where we end up just slipping it really feels like that's just what's going to happen and then that national series, I'm not too concerned about. I mean, I feel like I, I just I just feel like out of nowhere the Nationals have a chance to win one or two of those games, honestly. And that three game series with the Braves, we might end up just winning one. Let's say the Mets win and sweep the Marlins this two games coming up. Then they take one in Atlanta. If they're able to take the two out of three, or even maybe just one from the Nationals, the most important game is that Braves game that they won, because then they have the season series. So at the worst, if the Braves don't run the gamut and, and completely like win every game, at worst, we'll either be tied for the division, in which case we'll win the division, because we have the heads-up lead on, on the series between the Mets and the Braves, or we just win it outright. So I, I think there is an advantage to just winning the one game. I think there's going to be more pressure on Atlanta, right? They're behind right now. We saw the pressure get a little bit of them, the best of them, against the Nationals where they couldn't win that last game of the series. We saw the Phillies couple of two games there where they couldn't win those games. Uh, they almost lost on Sunday. So the Braves have a lot of pressure coming in. And their best option is to sweep the Mets, and that might be a hard task. The Mets aren't going to go down. It's not 2001. I mean, it's not uh, 2021. It's not this teams of the past. This team is different. It's built differently. I, I really do think that this team has the greatest chance to win the division, not only because of their manager, Buck Showalter, but also just the way 
They have been able to overcome adversity time after time after time. Injuries, they've been able to overcome that. Missing DeGrom the first half of the season overcame that. Losing Scherzer, they've overcame that. Everything that's been thrown in front of their way, they've been able to overcome, including, you know, losing, you know, two games in a row. They never let it get to three games in a row or or they didn't, you know, let themselves really ever get swept except that one time against the Cubs. And that was just now in September. So I, I, I feel like they have the mentality to get them through this and I hope they they come through. I, I, I'm really, this is the first season, maybe since 2006, and that team let me down real hard and kind of just changed my mind frame. But since 2006, I've never felt as confident in a team that I do with this one here. So I'm hoping that they're able to take care of business against the Marlins, get a game or two in against the Braves, and then, you know, finish everything off against the Nationals. And hopefully by the this weekend, they can win the division and just end it in Atlanta. How awesome would it be to end this season and, and win the division in Atlanta in their own home field would be such an awesome moment, especially since yeah. what we've been through since well, since I started watching the Mets in 1998. Going to Atlanta has been the house of horrors always every season except for 2006. So to win there would feel like such a, you know, I guess monkey off our backs and I hope that I hope that they're able to come through. No, right. I actually, I'm actually trying to go to Atlanta for that, and I think you're right. I think if they do win one against Atlanta, they have that, they have the tiebreaker. But I don't know if you saw, but they were talking about if because of the hurricane they cannot play in Atlanta. They're thinking about playing in places like Texas. So then it goes up in the air on like you know whoever has the advantage with that. Right, and um, I also heard that uh, I don't know if you follow Ryan Finkelstein. He's a podcast for Locked On Mets. He said there is a chance because that storm will be gone from Miami that they may move it to Miami because that's where the Braves are going to finish off the season in Miami. So that may be an option as well. And if that's the case, that's a big, big, big win for the Mets since they have such a big Miami contingent of fans out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, just one last thing. Sure. We got a DFA rough. Oh, uh, yeah, I know, man. I hope someone else mentions it, and I'm like not the only one on the boat. But that's that's it. Once he hit those like blue fly outs, I was like, "Come on, dude, no outs. You couldn't get anybody in." That I've had enough. Yeah, like, I, thanks, he's. Thanks for letting me in, but that was my last hit. <laughs> yeah, no it. problem, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for uh, joining the show, and I'm gonna get to Carlos and Jeff shortly. Anyone else, send a request out if you want to come on. Uh, let's talk about Ruff real quick. I, I don't understand this weekend. I don't know. They mentioned that they were going to give Mark Vientos a chance to show himself, especially since it was, you know, the Mets were against these lefties. The dude hit a home run, three RBIs. Like, what? How much can they not give him playing time? And then they just give Ruff playing time. I, he hasn't done anything. And I'm all for, like, when Ruff is playing, I'm going to support him and hope that he gets a hit. But he just hasn't. He hasn't done anything. I can't justify him getting a postseason spot. I almost rather see Terrence Gore. He actually has done more and has earned a spot to me as just coming in and being the guy for speed or playing defense in the outfield than Darren Ruff has. So I I don't know what they're going to do with Darren Ruff. I hope that he doesn't make the postseason team because I I don't know. It's, It's just a weird situation. I got a message here. 
Jeff Cohen asking if Vientos is eligible. He is. Uh, Jacob Resnick mentioned that he was already on the 40-man roster, which made him eligible to be on the postseason team. He's been uh, if you were on the 40-man roster before September 1st, you are eligible. And he's been on the 40-man roster this whole season. So it's a possibility that he could be on the postseason roster. I don't think they'll give it to him, but I don't know. I, I just I just don't know at this point in time. But um, I thank you. Uh, I believe in Lindor. I like that. We're going to go to Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Anthony. How you doing? All right, man. What's going on? You know, I've been hearing these scenarios going on about the Mets. If they go six and one and Lance go seven and two, whatever. You know what? I think we should really just concentrate on beating the pesky Marlins. And the Marlins have always been pesky to the New York Mets. And I know that the Mets have owned Pablo Lopez this year. But you know what? At some time, he's going to change. That's going to change. And I think we should focus on the beating Miami first and then worrying about Atlanta. If we can't beat Miami, then those games in Atlanta might not mean anything. Well, that, that's what I've, I've been saying since the beginning, right? The, the Mets yep. hold the fate of the division in their hands. So yep, they, they have the opportunity to – all they have to do is continue to keep winning, right? The Braves are the ones that have to catch up to them. It'd be different if the scenario was opposite. But all the pressure is on the Braves. They've had opportunity time after time after time to, you know, take advantage of stupid miscues from this Mets team. And they have not been able to take advantage of it. Not once have they been able to overcome some of these miscues in September from the Mets. They had maybe, what, a half a day in first place? Yep, a half a day. <laughs> That's it. But still, I mean, they're still, no matter what, they're, they're still Braves. I mean, last year they lost uh, Kuna, they lost uh, a couple of players, and they revamped the whole outfield and won the World Series. So I know we're not taking them for granted, lightly. I know that. But we got to focus on the first two games. First, take care of business with Miami first. And I know they're going to be pesky. They've always been pesky to the Mets. Yeah. And uh, I don't think back then the Mets were built enough to sustain those pesky teams. I think that they'll be able to hand. They know what's ahead of them this week. And I think they will take care of business like they've done all I, season long. I hope so. And those last three games, I don't think that against the Nationals is going to mean much because the Nationals are already checked out. They're just waiting to get on the golf course going home. They're, they're done, obviously. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. Honestly, I think I actually think that the Bra the Marlins were more checked out than the Nationals were. The Braves almost lost two out of three. Very close yeah. to losing two out of three. Well, I hope they lose one more tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. That's that's <laughs> definitely. Let's, let's be two. I'd rather be two up than one up. So I hope that they oh, uh, uh, lose. Who goes first in this team? Does Carrasco first, then Walker, or was it the other way around? It is Carrasco first, Walker, then this weekend, it's Bass. It's the same as last, so it's be Bassett next weekend. It'll be DeGrom on Saturday, Sunday, Scherzer. You cannot have shaped that or scripted that <laughs> any more perfect. No kidding. I No kidding. I mean, look, DeGrom had a, a, the worst came to his career, you know, and that's not going to happen again. Uh, that just, he'll make the correction. It's not going to happen again. And you thought it was a fluke, that. right? Oh, the fluke. Yeah. Absolute fluke. I mean, look, all the great pitchers have flukes like that. And they, but they don't have sustained flukes. I mean, they, they, they go on, they forget about it, and they go and pitch the next game. And he's going to be great. But And he'll have a week, a week uh, rest, I guess. I don't, that might be too much, though. This is the biggest game he will pitch 
since the World Series. Yeah. Because remember, true. 2016, he got knocked, he got uh, injured and was out for the rest of the season. So this is the biggest right. game he'll be pitching since game two of the uh, 2015 World Series. Right, right. And remember what he did in the playoffs in 2015 against the Dodgers? That, that was gutty. The and, Dodgers, uh, uh, the Cubs. So yeah. there's no, you're telling me the, seer, the season is on the line. Well, the, the division <laughs> is on the line. And the three pitchers I'm getting are Bassett, DeGrom, and Scherzer. I mean, that is a Christmas gift on a boat. Absolutely. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, who? what other team does has that? I mean, I know Houston has Ver- Verlander and, and uh, Farmer Reyes. Uh, the Yankees have a Cole and, and really, who else? I mean, this is perfect. It, it's a, a great three-game series with the three best pitchers in, in, the, in at least the National League, I think. Anyway, just want to check in. Let's uh, go to go to Carl. I'm sure he's waiting. Just they have to take care of business. Get the Marlins, and uh, you have a great rest of the day. And I'll check in on Friday. Absolutely. Well, uh, actually, I'm going to do it on Thursday. We will do a preview to the weekend series on Thursday, and I'll have that up on Friday for anyone who can be joining us live. But Thursday, thanks for bringing that up, Jeff. Thursday, 3:30, we will preview Braves, Mets, and uh, possible division title on the line. But Jeff, thanks so much. I appreciate you coming on thanks. as always, my friend. All right. Carlos, we're going to do round two. This is like me last week where uh, my uh, memory card got corrupted. Here we go. We're going to do this again. We're going to try to get you on, and hopefully your connection is good. Bueller. Oh, there he is. What's up, Carlos? (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, brother? Good, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So somebody already said it, man. Uh, Rough. I mean, (laughs) it is what it is. It's rough. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to, man. And you ask if we're worried about the drum. No, we're not worried about the drum because, of course, everybody has a bad start. My point was, and I don't, th- I don't know if it was that I didn't make it correctly or I said something that I shouldn't, but my point was when it comes to this offseason negotiation, I hope he takes all of that into context. You know what I mean? Especially the injuries and everything and doesn't go overboard with his asking price. I'm not saying give us a hometown discount because I've never been a believer in that. Well, that happened already. He, he the, the last contract was the hometown discount. And that's a great point. Thank you for reminding me. That's absolutely right. And, and I and even if he hadn't, I wouldn't still ask for a hometown discount because that's not fair. I mean, your your value is your value. Um I'm just you know, unless he comes out and he just blows everybody out of the water in October, I hope he keeps in mind that we're we're still trying to see if we have the old DeGrom back. You know what I mean? That yep. was basically my point. I think the one thing that worries me about him moving forward is, and, and how as much as I love strikeouts and getting these strikeouts, that takes a toll every game. That brings up your pitch yep. count so you know he threw what was it 13 strikeouts against pittsburgh but then he was out in the fifth inning yep we need we need more you know quality outs like i i don't need a strikeout all the time it's awesome i'll take a you know 15 16 strikeout game every once in a while but you see max scherzer how he gets through games quickly thank you it's different you know we've all been programmed and noticing what jacob Degrom has done because for the longest time he was really the only starting pitcher we had 
He was our ace. He was the guy that we all relied upon and we all wanted to see every game. Even the casual fans would come to see Jacob DeGrom pitch. And now, now you have Max Scherzer in there, the grizzly old veteran who still has a lot left in the tank, who has been through playoffs and has gone Cy Youngs and and won the World Series and now brings that presence that the Mets didn't have, that leadership. And I don't know, I'm not going to assume in the clubhouse that Jacob deGrom is not a leader. I'm pretty sure he is. But he's a different kind of leader. He leads by example, and Mm -hmm. he's very quiet. Whereas Max will also lead by example, but he will also tell you like it is. And he was very influential in getting Buck Showalter here, uh, into getting a lot of other things done. I think they even said like bringing in Starling Marte was he had a piece in that, or or bringing in Canna and and you know Canna and Bassett. Like I, I feel like he's had a lot to do with how this team has been structured. And we've got a lot of good guys on this team, got a lot of leadership. And, and you know, Jacob kind of falls under the wayside since he's so quiet and reserved. But Max is going to be that rah-rah guy. He's going to, you saw him in St. Louis where he was chirping at the other team or against the Braves. He, he's not going to stay quiet. And he's also going to put it down your throat. And that's what's great about Max. So it's great to have the two contrasting guys. But um, I hope that 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 Jake even though he's this veteran and you know he's the homegrown the ace of the staff I hope he's taking a few pointers from yes. Max Scherzer and what Max Scherzer has done in his career because I would like to see the egos out the window not saying that there is but boy man Max just brings another element to this team that that I haven't seen in a really long time and what Jake needs to focus on what Max and you were hitting on it if he if I throw three, well, not me. If Max throws three pitches and gets three outs and is out of the inning, that counts the same as if Jake pitches mm-hmm. nine and gets three Ks. They're still outs. And why? The thing is, Max has learned how to. It's not necessarily take care of himself, although that that's what it is as well. Is win. It's about winning. You know what I mean? Yep. And he knows. He knows. I mean, this is the type of inning that I need to get out of here really quick. So, yeah, and you can tell by the pitch selection. He's not looking to 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 strike out everyone. He's looking to get out of the inning pretty quick. And most of the time, it works. Bassett does it as well. Although Bassett, you know... He weaves in and out of struggle play. sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it's... That's what, that's what Jake... And, and and you you brought a great point. I'm I mean I'm not worried, but yeah, long term he needs to figure that out. The the same thing with not having to throw a hundred miles per hour all the time. He needs to figure out how to be able to turn it off and off and and, and just get the outs, brother. Just get the outs. It doesn't matter how you get them. Just get them and get out of it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree, Carlos. And if anyone else wants to hop on here, just like Carlos, just send me a request and I will put you on get any questions or comments you have about the Mets and where they're at right now uh you know he is 11 and 4 this season and to me this is Max Scherzer Max Scherzer is 11 and 4 and to me the three most important starts of the season for him on this team was the first time he got injured because he didn't allow himself to go further and possibly miss the rest of the season with that oblique the second time he got injured is another important one because he knew when to come out he knew that 
you know, he didn't want to, like I said, miss the season, miss the playoffs with that coming close by. And then the third important start was his return because you saw him completely dominate Milwaukee and he didn't even bring up his pitch count that high. He did whatever he could do to get outs and he did it so quickly. I mean, he had nine strikeouts, but I think he was through five or six innings with maybe 60, 70 pitches. He could have definitely went for a perfect game. On a healthy day, he could have went for the perfect game and he didn't. So those three starts are the most important starts for me from Max Scherzer this season because he knew his body. He knew how to get around and make sure that he got the outs that were needed to get out. And for that, uh, it's very important going into this postseason with Max because probably the, you know, the chains will be off come postseason when it comes to Max and Jacob. And, And Carlos, we've talked about this in the past you know you get these guys going you know six or seven innings maybe one of them can push an eight inning game in and Mm -hmm. you're going right to ds Mm -hmm. so if they can do that and not rely so much on the bullpen i think that would be very helpful because we know that buck as great as Buck has been this season, there has been some interesting, um, you know, bullpen moves. So I don't want him to stress that in the postseason. And he's done it in the postseason in the past. And I don't want that to be a worry going into this year's postseason. You just hit it right on the nail right there. It's frustrating, but it's not surprising when we see these questionable bullpen calls like Drew Smith the other day. I mean, you know, two months off and you're bringing into a a 2-0 game, that doesn't make any sense, but that's Buck. And it's part of his resume. That that comes with him. But just like you said, if we can get Max, Jake, Bassett to get at least to the seventh and take it out of Buck's hands. It's already October. I don't need to be saving Diaz and not giving him two innings. Boom. Get, get it to Diaz or even uh, bring out Otavino in for the eighth and then Diaz. But now all of the questionable decisions on bullpen calls are out of Buck's hand. But the only way that works is if Max knows how to do it, Bassett, as long as he's not getting into trouble, he knows how to work around it. If Jake can also help us get those, eat up those innings until at least the seventh. Jake, just give me 80 pitches, get me to the seventh inning. We got it from there. Really, the only two guys that I have a lot of faith in, like you said, Diaz, Adovino. I don't know what we're getting from Joely Rodriguez come October. Uh, Look at what Seth Lugo did on Sunday. With a 13 to one lead, giving up, you know, a home run and like can't, like they had to start warming up Diaz for no apparent reason possible. Seth Lugo just couldn't, he eventually got three outs, but like couldn't keep it clean. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that's going to, you know, be worrisome when the games are going to be close. I can't see so many blowouts in a postseason. You're going to get the best pitchers. You're going to get the best hitters come October. So those guys are going to have to be ready to go. Them, Michael Givens, he's another guy that you're going to have to probably throw out there. Uh, look at what happened on Saturday. You know, Trevor Mays giving up runs. And it's like everybody, the bullpen like they need to get it together like they've had a full season it shouldn't be this this difficult for them in october there's no time to give chances to anyone anymore because there's no tomorrow in october no there isn't now and they should already been thinking this way but again our starting pitchers are the only ones who can help out not outthink himself which is what i think always happens to him he tries to outthink himself instead of going with his instinct he tries to outthink think his his own self and 
he usually falls into the trap. Yeah, it's something that we're going to see if he has improved come postseason because obviously the postseason is a little different. The postseason is a different game and a different animal than the regular season is. There are going to be some times where you have to rest a certain amount of pitchers and, you know, uh, you know this guy's not going to be able to play on this many days rest. But in the, the postseason, like we saw in 2015, uh, Jerry's Familia was used for two innings daily. And yep. he was never used like that during the season. So the dynamic changes in the postseason. And we're going to see if Buck Showalter has adapted after all of the failures that he's had in the postseason, whether you talk about 95, you talk about his time in Baltimore, his time in Arizona, uh, like, like I mentioned, 95 with the Yankees, all those postseason failures that he's had and not being able to get out of the first round, can he overcome that? And can he adapt from that? And we're going to see that coming up this uh, coming, what, two weeks from now? Just around the corner, brother. Just, Just around, around the, corner. the corner. All right, Carlos, man, I appreciate you coming on as always. Good conversation. Good points that you brought up there. So I appreciate that as always. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. We're going to go to Patrick. All right, Patrick, what do you got for me, my man? Hey, so this, I'll be honest, um, you know, I'm, Still confident that we can win this division, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. You know, it was said before that the Marlins can be pesky. Uh, we definitely need to sweep that, and uh, you know, we just got to take care of business. Really, I I'm not counting on the Braves uh, losing, but I feel like even just one loss would be huge for us. Like any loss that happens from now until, uh, aside from the season against uh, the series against us, any any loss against the Nats or the Marlins, while unlikely, will be very very big for us um that can't be overstated and this hurricane though um I, I i don't know where the whole thing about texas comes from but i'm not sure why we just why if like if it does happen why just they, why don't they just do it in philly i mean it's I, I feel like it'd be a little weird to do it in florida when the hurricane is literally passing over there um and texas is a whole nother time time zone away i feel like they would want to keep it on the east coast and philly just seems like the best spot because it's in between the two cities not really like biased either way philly fans would probably boo both sides equally so i i don't i mean if and philly is also away for the rest of the season late yesterday was their last home game so was that sure their last that home game been. really yeah oh. i'm not sure why that hasn't been like the obvious choice if it does come down to that yeah that that's a that's a heartbreaking way to end the season at home for philly not only for us but for them holy smokes that was a rough game to uh lose but uh that's what yeah, was gonna I be saw, my I question i didn't know if they were home or not so it, i mean if they could do it in philly more power to them i think that the guy it was from locked on mets ryan Fickelstein. he brought up miami because the braves finish the season in miami so i think that's why that was brought up i i did hear texas which is weird to me why they would go all the way out there and then come home and uh, i don't know just there's, there's got to be a closer place it's it's crunch time and uh i am i am nervous but i am you know I, i'm i'm keeping it up i think we got this i, I think we can do it it's just it, it's gonna be scary you know i i'm not as nervous that i have been in the past i i don't know this team feels different to me I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it's this is the first time I've ever seen in my lifetime a team 
getting close to winning 100 games. I haven't seen the Mets. The most that they've won is 97 in the time that I've been watching them, and that was in 99 and 2006. And the 2006 team, I thought, was going to win the World Series. I seriously, like, I had all my hopes on that 2006 team winning the World Series. When they lost against the Cardinals, that broke me. That broke me to a point where, like, I I never felt confident in any of the other teams moving forward. 2007 and 2008 kind of, like, destroyed my hopes. But, you know, this season, I just, I feel different about this team. I feel that all the pressure is on Atlanta. Everyone thought that Atlanta was going to come back and do what they did to the Mets last year. It hasn't happened yet. It may happen at the end, but, you know, there's still a lot of pressure on them for, you know, this is different than in the middle of the season or even last year in the middle of the season when they overtook the Mets. They're running out of time. Time is not on their side. With every Mets win, time is not on the Braves' side. And if by some chance lose to the Nationals, it's getting harder and harder for them to continue to win. And obviously the Braves could possibly sweep this series and sweep the the last series of the season. But if somehow they lose, there's a lot more pressure on them. They got an offense that is struggling. Matt Olsen is struggling. The fans are turning on Olsen. Strider's on the IL. They don't have Albies. Acuna doesn't play play every day they're asking you know Michael Harris and the Von Grissoms of the world to carry this team they lost a one nothing game to Philly with their ace on the mound this is not going to get any easier for the Atlanta Braves so I feel like most of the pressure is on them than it is on the Mets yeah that uh that one nothing game was pretty intense I went to it (laughs) it was incredible um but yeah I definitely agree with you on that that the the pressure is definitely on the Braves because you know even though they got the shot it's the their window of opportunity is really starting to close in with less than what is it like eight there's eight games left in the season yeah less than a week yep yeah eight games uh, eight games for the Mets nine games for the Braves Right. And it's it's good to be in front because even on days we both win, that's just another opportunity the Braves lost to make any kind of ground. So Yeah, and I, I know they're it's they're still looking up at us like, ah shoot, the Mets won again. Like that like, Exactly. They they're 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 banking on us losing. We are just banking on you no, know, just having any day where they don't make ground, which could be any number of combinations. But them, they are just solely relying on them winning and us losing. And I know the national series sucked where we lost um, that series and and the getting swept by the Cubs. But it sucks even more for the Braves because they couldn't take advantage of it. They were yeah, still I behind. Yeah, I was saying the same thing where it's like, you know, it's, it's you know, I'm, I was frustrated that we got swept by the Cubs, but at the same time, the Brave fans were like, well, we could have easily taken advantage there. Why didn't we? We were playing the Giants who were giving us every opportunity to win this. Um, although I will admit those Cubs, that Cubs and Nats series do kind of give me PTSD for what's going to come. It's like, I'm, I'm just hoping that we don't make the same mistakes and we just, we just steamroll these next two series. So, yeah, but I just want to finish out the saying, you know, the ball's in our court and it's our turn to serve that's right man you gotta believe absolutely you gotta believe thank you patrick i appreciate you for coming on but i'm gonna wrap up the show here if nobody else wants to chime in thank you everyone for listening in i do this every monday definitely at 3 30 from 3 30 to 4 usually i'll do it fridays from 3 30 to 4 30 as well but because i have to work earlier at night earlier to through night 
I will be doing the show on Thursday instead. So we are going to preview Mets and Braves, possibly division on the line on Thursday. You can join in like Jeff, like Patrick, like Carlos. You can chime in. I'll, you send me a request. I'll put you through and we'll have a great conversation because I love talking with you guys. And that's why I decided to move the podcast and make it live. So I appreciate you guys. If you just joined in or if you joined in halfway, I'm going to post this on uh, the podcasting platforms and you can listen there if you subscribe i'll get to those shortly if you're, you're already following me being on here you, and anyone else that wants to follow you can follow on twitter and instagram at subway to shay also tiktok i'm on tiktok at subway to shay too i haven't really used that as much i'll get more into that maybe later down on the line but twitter instagram and tiktok at subway to shay you can listen to the podcast, like I mentioned, at Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shay. If you're a new listener to the podcast, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I mentioned. I hope you consider joining more of these Twitter spaces with me and um, share it with your fellow Med fans that are any friends, family that are Med fans. Let them join in as well. If you've been a supporter this whole time, I can't thank you enough, and you know that I wouldn't be here without you, so I appreciate that. Subway to Shea is also global. This podcast is not only played in the United States, but also reaches across the globe. And no matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. You can go on Apple Podcasts and leave me a one to five stars, hopefully five stars, and you put comments in the review section, and that'll help me to make this show grow. If you listen on Spotify, there's also, you can rate the show on Spotify. And don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fan site and network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the fans sided network at fan sided thank you everyone for tuning in i appreciate you so very much listen subscribe share review for anthony rivera you've been listening to subway to shea and always remember let's go mets and you gotta believe let's get this division title and let's end the braves reign <laughs>